0: Hey guys, I was coloring this week with my son Jagger and he started kindergarten this year and I'll never forget the neurologist telling me that my child was going to be left-handed because his right hand was not going to work. You see, Jagger suffered from a stroke at birth from lack of oxygen to the brain when he had a double nuchal cord, meaning the cord was wrapped around his neck two times. We didn't find out he had cerebral palsy until he was two years old. And in one of those first neurology appointments, they said, you know, he's never going to be an Olympic athlete and he's definitely going to be left-handed because the left side brain injury affects the right side of the body. So for years, I would always put the crayon and the marker in both his left and his right hand, trying to get his brain to sort of wake up and utilize the right side of his body. But you see, I was limited to actions like physical therapy and occupational therapy and speech therapy and putting a marker in my child's right hand or left hand and reminding him to use his left leg and his right leg to go up the stairs for years because that was my only option because I didn't bank his cord blood. If I had banked Jagger's cord blood and tissue, I would have had the opportunity to have given my child the gift of a stem cell transplant. That stem cell transplant would have helped his body go into heal and response mode. I could have paid $35 a month with Anja Health as an insurance policy in case my children had a birth injury or developed childhood leukemia or as adults had diabetes or heart disease or liver disease. Because cord blood and tissue banking in those stem cells are the future of science. Instead, I had to quit my job, take my child to lots of doctor's appointments, and utilize markers and crayons, trading right hand and left hand, to map a new neural pathway around where his brain was injured and was dysregulating the movements of his body. So I'm on a mission with Catherine Cross, the CEO of Anja Health, and we are spreading awareness. Her brother had cerebral palsy. My child has cerebral palsy. We are spreading awareness on how inexpensive cord blood and tissue banking can be. And you can still do delayed cord clamping. So I hope you will check out Anja Health today, A-N-J-A health.com and learn all about cord blood and tissue banking. I am trying to help parents avoid the regret, shame and guilt that I carry around every day by not making the decision to bank my child's cord, blood, and tissue, which could have significantly changed and impacted his way of life. Hey guys, it's Heidi with Doula Diaries. Coming at you a day late today because I was at two births and I was going to share with you my experiences this week at both of those births and what I think you could learn from each of my doula clients. And they're two very different stories. And then on Thursday tomorrow, I hope you'll stick around because I have interviewed Kelly Drumright, and she is talking to us about unmedicated twin vaginal deliveries. That episode comes out tomorrow. And before we get started, I, I am recording this on January 19th. Birth Story Academy launches on February 1st, which means you have about 12 days to pre-order Burstory Story Academy for $99. So that's essentially about a $60 online childbirth education course. So I'm only doing it for a very short period of time to give all of you guys an opportunity to jump in using code Podcast for 50% off. You're going to get a copy of the Birth Story Pregnancy Guidebook and Journal. You'll get my entire workbook, all of the birth affirmations, tons of bonus content, and then 20 modules of really amazing childbirth education that I teach my private doula clients and how we achieve a less than 7% cesarean rate and non-traumatic birthing over 17 years. So... If you have taken a hospital course and you you're left feeling like what what in the world did I just learn, I invite you in to Burst Story Academy, and just act quick because you've got you no know, I don't know when you're listening to this episode, but on February first, twenty twenty two, sale ends, price goes up, it doubles. If you are listening in that window, I hope that you will enjoy fifty percent off with code Burst Story Podcast. After February 1st, 2022, that pot, that coupon goes back to being $5 off, okay? So ah, I just want to be your teacher. Let me be your teacher. Come take my course. If you know someone who's pregnant, share my course with them, birthstory.com and use code podcast. All right, let's get started. So this week I had back-to-back births and it was so awesome because they were so different and I had a rest day in between and let's air quote rest day because it was an ice day in Charlotte, North Carolina. We got this huge winter storm, everything shut down. All of those of you that are listening that live in the Northeast or the Northwest or the North anything like you guys have salt trucks, you have trucks that can like plow roads. Well, the last time it snowed at all in Charlotte was four years ago. So, we just don't have any of that equipment. So, everything absolutely shuts down. And I was like, oh my gosh, please don't go into labor anyone. And my work partner, Colin, and I were like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Are we going to be able to get out? Nobody has four wheel drive. And the universe just always seems to work in our favor. It's amazing. So, birth number one, and it was a full moon too, y'all. Full moon, barometric pressure changes. (laughs) Like, we were like, things are happening. So, Person number one goes into labor at about two or three in the morning. Contractions woke her up. She was a first-time parent, and she had been having prodromal labor, that warm-up labor, for two weeks, like all the way back to December even. She had had some nights where contractions woke her up from like 2 to 5 a.m. So like we knew she was probably not going to 42 weeks right so we were hearing from her pretty frequently every day well the day before she went into labor she was having decreased fetal movement also can be a sign of impending labor now if you have decreased fetal movement we of course want you to go to triage and get checked out but in her case she went to triage she got checked out everything was fine she went to sleep and at three o'clock in the morning no surprise her contractions woke her up and she had talked about how she had had some more frequent bowel movements and some other signs the couple days leading up to her labor too. So what did we tell her? The first thing Colin and I said was what we always say, and we train you for 24 hours of labor for a first time birthing person on average, go back to bed, ignore it. Okay. So she went back to sleep. They were pretty spaced out and she tried to sleep on and off through the night and I didn't hear from her until about like eight o'clock in the morning. I reached out and was like, hey, I don't want to wake you up, but like, can we check in? So she was awake and she said things had slowed down. Really normal, right? Like, like you're having some consistent contractions and then they slow down. This is spontaneous birthing, y'all. It's not like a Pitocin where it's like contraction, 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 contraction. It is like some contractions, then they fade away. Eventually, if you were to graph them out, they get longer, stronger, and closer together. And I told this particular person like, hey, they'll probably pick up when the sun goes down. Like for whatever reason, circadian rhythm, melatonin, like nobody understands the true mechanism of action of what makes you go into labor. But my experience tells me the sun has something to do with it. So she started her birthing time in the middle of the night. It continued consistently throughout the day, but was like, you know, 10 minutes apart, 12 minutes apart, seven minutes apart. And we made a plan that when they became two to five minutes apart, I would meet them at their house. And, you know, she was still sending like emojis and lots of text messages and we FaceTimed. And so I gave her a circuit to do. It was like, go do this for two hours. Go take a bath. Then go curb walk. Then go, you know, do all the things. And when it's time, I'll come meet you. So um, about 5 p.m., her partner called and said, hey, things are picking up. You might want to head over. And I said, OK. So I put her on FaceTime and then um. She definitely had some good, strong surges while I was on the phone with her. And I was like, okay, let's let's get this going. Uh, I told her to go for a walk and then get in the bathtub. So when I arrived, she was in the bathtub and was ready to get out and do something else. So she went to the toilet and labored for a while. Then we went to the bed and I started doing my thing as a doula, which is opening her pelvis in unique ways and trying to Get her baby to rotate and engage the pelvis and then get labor progressed. So that looks different at every birth, but for hers, it looked like double hip squeezes, squats, exaggerated sideline releases, and then walking. I mean, you guys have heard me talk about walking a lot. Walking does not put you into labor. I saw this Instagram post yesterday that kind of made me upset because it's a really popular Instagram with like hundreds of thousands of followers. And it was like about walking to put you into labor. And I was like, and she's a nurse. And I was like, that's not science. (laughs) Like like, walking does not put you into labor. Walking progresses labor. So once my client got to about four minutes apart, Lasting for about 60 seconds, I was like, okay, let's go walking. And I was like, we're going to walk until either your water breaks or your two minute apart contractions, or you're like, okay, this is really strong and I want to go to the hospital. Her vision, I want to talk about the birth vision with both of these birds. Her birth vision was to be happy, have fun, have it be a family experience. And she was not committed to like medicated or unmedicated. She was really interested in unmedicated. But she was like, you know, around active labor, I would like to get to the hospital and then be able to make a decision on what I want to do. So we walked until she was two minutes apart surges. And I had lost her into labor land. So when I arrived at 5 p.m., she was like, chat, 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 happy, 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 smile, smile, smile. By p.m. I was asking her about a tattoo on her back. And she was like in the middle of a contraction on purpose. And she was like, I don't know, it's like a flower. And it's like from my past. I just can't think about it right now. And I was like, boom, we're in active labor. If you cannot describe the most important tattoo on your body to your doula, you are in active labor. I was like, this is amazing. Let's keep walking. I was like, let's do that again. And she was like, I don't know if I can do that whole thing again. And I was like, okay, let's just walk to the top of this hill and back down. So we got all the way to the top of the hill. She could only take like four steps before the next contraction would come at this point. And then we would go into a deep squat, squeeze our hips, rub her back, and then walk another five steps, have another one. And finally she said, okay, let's go ahead and go on to the hospital. So we went to the hospital. We get to triage. And as soon as we get to triage, she went into transition. And so she was like shaking and like all the signs of transition. The contractions were double peaking. They were strong. They were right on top of each other. And I kept telling her like, like you're in transition, you know, um, you're probably going to have a baby soon. What do we want to do? And she was like, let's get checked and find out. So we had the midwife on call check. Because the provider on call, the OB that she was with, the OB practices, but it was a male provider. And I think she was just more comfortable having a nurturing grandma-like midwife do her vaginal exam. So you can always ask for that. I hope that you guys know that Um, with your body autonomy, you can always ask for a female provider to do your vaginal exam. So she did. And she was eight centimeters dilated, 90% effaced and zero station. Perfect. You're about to have a baby, you know? And she was like, I said, what do you want to do? You know, your plan was go as long as possible and then maybe get an epidural or keep going. So you're really close, but you're a first time birthing person. So you may push a little while. What do you want to do? What feels right for your body? And she was like, 100%, definitely epidural. I was like, okay. So we moved really quickly to a room, started the process for an epidural. And then all of a sudden it was 10 p.m. Well, at 10 p.m., Colin and I switch shifts (laughs) because I work the day and Colin works night. So I will go on to say that she got very comfortable with her epidural. Colin did all of her magic with helping her rest, but also move her body. And then she had a beautiful vaginal birth at about 2.30 in the morning. So the key takeaways of that is that she did a birth vision. She saw herself going into labor early at 38 weeks, which she did. She saw herself laboring, starting labor in the middle of the night, laboring all day and then delivering at night, which happened. She saw herself waiting to get to the hospital until close to transition, which we did. And then she wanted to make a decision about medication at about, she wanted six centimeters, but you know, we got her to eight centimeters and she had a beautiful, beautiful birth exactly as she visioned. Now, isn't that great, y'all? It doesn't always go that way, right? Some of you are listening and are like, good for her. That wasn't my story, right? She had a doula, two of them, who are really good at their practice. And we helped do all of the things at the right time, including ignore contractions, when to go for a walk, when to squat, when to do exaggerated and sideline releases, right? That's the doula's expertise. If that is what you want for your birth, hire a doula. We would love to be by your side, right? There are wonderful doulas all over, wherever you're listening, there is a doula that is trained and ready to support you. I will teach you all about the power of the birth vision, the birth plan, and making informed decisions prior to going into labor in Birth Story Academy. So if you want a recipe for that birth story, it's $99 right now price goes it'll be $198 someday somebody's going to be listening to this podcast and it'll be $198 then it will be $498 i'm not going to lie my private dual clients pay over 3 grand price is going to keep going up and up so like this week it's $99 and you get a free book so i'm just uh really wanting to get my loyal podcast listeners my loyal instagram followers an opportunity to have access to this course where finances are not a barrier so let's do it story number two so she delivers it to something in the morning Colin leaves at like four and as Colin's driving home like the snow and ice storm blizzard extravaganza of Charlotte North Carolina 2022 hits and we haven't even seen a snowflake for four years so Colin gets home safe and the next day, it's just like a disaster. Charlotte does not get snow. We get ice. It is like it's probably, I don't know, six, seven inches of ice. Like it looks like snow. And at six o'clock in the morning, I go running out with my kids to go play in the snow. And it's just sleeting, terrible ice pellets at our face and piling up. And then the it's all black ice everywhere. And then you can't even make a snowball. My kids are crying. They're like, mom, I can't even do a snowball fight. And I was like, you know what we can do? We can go sled, ice sled down the most massive hill in Charlotte, which is in our front yard. So that's how we spent the day almost killing my children <laughs> on ice sleds. Um, it was so fun. All of the adults in the neighborhood came with like beers, spiked, you know, drinks. And definitely some spiked hot chocolate. And there was inner tubes, like literally inner tubes, ice sliding down these hills. It was, it was one of the best days. And it was one of those days where I was thinking, please know I'm going to labor because I don't know how I'm going to leave my house. Like, first of all, this is really fun and I don't want to stop doing this fun thing. But next, I don't know how I'm going to leave my house. Like I am iced slash snowed in. Now about Six o'clock that night, the snow started and I texted the next person who's on my list, you know, but she was about four days over. So 40 and four for second time birthing person. She went all the way to 42 weeks with her first. And, um, but the, you know, you don't gestate as long typically with your second. So she had visioned that she was going to go into labor on Saturday, which this was Saturday that I'm talking about at 40 and two. She wanted to have a good night's sleep because, you know, she's got a two-year-old at home. She wanted to sleep all the way through the night. She wanted contractions to start in the morning. She wanted to walk around the house and do her thing. She wanted to be at home as long as possible, then go to the hospital, get situated and have a baby and not push for too long. She wanted it to be peaceful and not stressful. Her birth vision like the power of these visions, you guys. If you listen to Jenna Lee Rude's first episode, I did my birth visioning exercise with her. The birth visioning exercise is module 19 in Birth Story Academy. It is, it's really amazing for you to see what messages your body sends to you before you go into your birthing time. So, anyway, I send this person a message and I'm like, hey, cross your legs girl, because I can't get out. Like, oh, I really want to be at your birth, but like we're we're stuck. And she's like, I'm stuck. I can't get out either. And she was like, I'm just willing it to not happen. And so I was like, okay, well, at three o'clock in the morning, prom, premature rupture of the membranes. And for those of you that don't know that term, that means that your first sign of spontaneous labor is your water breaks. That TV moment, right? except for it only happens 12 to 15% of the time. And it's usually when you're sleeping. (laughs) So she's sound asleep. It wakes her up. Think about three o'clock in the morning. It's always two to three o'clock in the morning. And it's so much water gushing out of her that she just gets in the bathtub and lets the water just gush out of her and gush out of her and gush out of her. And um, she calls and we tell her, you know, the thing, go to sleep. So when you have PROM, premature rupture of the membranes, here are the things. Do you feel fetal movement? Do you have a fever? Do you feel great? If check 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 check, go to bed. Okay? Data suggests that your labor should begin within 6 to 8 hours, sometimes 12, very rare situations. It takes 24 to 48 hours for your labor to begin. But if you have a big gush, 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 and all of the amniotic fluid is pouring out of you, likely you'll start your surges within six to eight hours. Now, in my area, if you are having a hospital birth, they like you to be at the hospital by about hour 12 if you're not in active labor. Again, to avoid an infection called chorioamnionitis. Well, newsflash, if you're not doing vaginal exams and you're not having putting things inside of you, your chance of choreo is actually pretty low. So we made a plan. Her water busted at like three o'clock in the morning. And I was like, hey, I have to figure it out out if I can dig out of here. So we spent all morning shoveling, 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 de-icing. This is not shoveling snow, y'all. This is shoveling like hard packed ice on a driveway with no tools. It's not like we have salt or shovel. Like this is like a ground shovel we're using. So hours later we're freezing cold and we get out and I'm like, I can get to you. I don't know if I can get to your house, but I can get to you. And um, I was like, I'm going to come over and there are some things we recommend doing for an, a natural herbal push once your water breaks, if your body's like kind of slow to get with the program. Those things, this is not medical advice. Read my disclaimer on my website. Talk to your provider. Side note, we had a, on speakerphone, we had a prenatal appointment with her provider where we talked about these things, okay? So I get to her house with, you know, snow boots on and all the things and she has castor oil clary sage red raspberry leaf tea and um some cotton root blue cohosh works too ready to go now talk to your provider your midwife your ob your doula also about these things i can't tell you dosages or how much i can just tell you what people do so she did what's called the midwives brew. It's when you mix castor oil. I will say it was two ounces. She did two ounces of castor oil with lots of protein and something to just make it palatable so you can get it down because your body does not want to drink castor oil. And she chugged it like a champ. It was amazing. And then she started taking some herbs, blue cohosh and pumping 15 on 15 off And within two hours, she was in hard active labor, contracting every two minutes. I did the side-lying releases. We walked the stairs. We um, did squats. So every time she had a contraction, literally every time she went into a squat, she walked stairs. We were pumping, doing the herbs. She chugged the castor oil like A-plus student over here to avoid a medical induction. Within a few hours, two hours, she was in hard active labor. Um, so let's say I got to her house about 1.30 or 2 p.m. We were on our way to the hospital at 5.30 p.m. in hard labor. And we get to the hospital and she is six centimeters dilated and a zero station and 100% effaced. And this is our second baby. So I was like, so listen, you can have a baby in 30 minutes or in a couple hours, but like we're having a baby pretty here pretty soon. So... We did all the things. We labored on the toilet. We did lots of squats. We did, a, I do a circuit with my clients. So we did one leg up, one leg down, knees in, knees out, hip squeezes, tug of war, all the things. So we're moving her body. And she's very heightened senses. So she does not want to drink a sip of water. She doesn't want you to talk to her. She doesn't want to hear people talking, you know, all the things. She's in the zone. And eventually I see parting. She's on her hands and knees and that's when the head starts to come down and the vagina starts to kind of, the labia start to kind of open. I'm like, ooh, okay, maybe we should get the provider. So the provider comes in to see if delivery is imminent. And she was 10 plus one, but, you know, delivery wasn't imminent. It was like there's some pushing ahead of you. Now this particular client went unmedicated with pitocin on her first and pushed for 5 hours. She pushed for 5 hours because she never really got that fetal ejection reflex. So it's hard, it was hard to tell when to push and when not to push. That's all she she just did not want to push for 5 hours this time. So we pushed a little bit and finally I said, "Are you pushing because we're telling you to push?" with the contraction or are you feeling like is your body pushing without your permission and she's like no my body is not pushing without my permission I am pushing because it feels good to push and the pressure feels good but my I'm like making my body push so we're like okay let's take a break so she pushed with some and she didn't push with others and we she was unmedicated of course so we got out of the bed and did lots of squats and lots of lunge pushing and like I said, lots of pushing with knees in and knees out. And and the one place she hated was the toilet. Well, I kept reminding her on her first birth, that toilet is where she she pushed and pushed and pushed. And then when we finally pushed on the toilet, that's when she delivered her baby. So I was like, I think we need to go over to that toilet. And she's like, no, 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 I hate the toilet. I'm like, Come, you hate the toilet for a reason because it moves your baby down. So I think she had three contractions on the toilet and everything changed. Now she was getting tired. She didn't want to keep pushing. She was scared. She was going to push for five hours again. We kept reassuring her and um, the provider came in and was like, listen, I do not have to check you, but I can see if you've made progress and if you should like, and the provider was amazing. The, the provider was a female OBGYN who's been practicing for 22 years. I hadn't worked with her in 15 years and I adored her. She said, I don't have to check you. Your body will eventually push your baby out without you pushing. If you want this to go over faster, you can push with the contraction. Or you can let it go nice and slow and let your body ease your baby out. And she was like, no, I just want it over with. Please check me. So on um, her hands and knees, she gets checked. She's 40 plus 2. Listen to me, 40 plus 2. That's how when she wanted to go into labor. <laughs> she's she's 10 full complete plus 2 so she's moved from a plus 1 station to a plus 2 station which means she's moved her baby significantly over the last hour so the doctor was like hey you can push with all your might and get this over faster or we can walk out of the room and you can let Just breathe through the surges and let your body gently breathe your baby down. You guys, that's your choice, what you want to do for your body. And I love that this OBGYN honored that. And you know what she said? No, I want to push this baby out. I want to get this over with. So she is on her hands and knees on the bed, kind of leaning over the back of the bed, if you could envision that. And I have my rebozo. So I am standing in front of her at the head of the bed and I am pulling backwards towards the wall and she's pulling against me sinking down into a deep squat as she pushes the baby down. And it it took, I don't know, five pushes like that. I couldn't see anything because um, I was locked in, you know, making eye contact and playing tug of war with her. But all of a sudden I saw the OB put her scrubs on and I was like, oh, shit, we're about to have a baby. Great. Um And probably on the fifth contraction, her baby emerged. And he was a perfectly beautiful baby boy. And it was such a wonderful birth. Everything on her birth vision came true. Everything on the first story's birth vision came true. I don't want to leave this episode and tell you that that's how it always is. But what I can tell you is that there's power in a ver- there is power in a birth vision, and I would love to teach you about it, um, in Birth Story Academy. So we have about twelve days for you to join, for ninety nine dollars before the price goes up. If you're listening to this episode after the price goes up, I'm sorry, it was still it's still an amazing deal. It's so cheap, even at double the price. So I hope you enjoyed these two stories. I hope you learned something about moving your body when you're unmedicated to push, even on a second time. She pushed for two hours on a second time, maybe 90 minutes, on a second baby. Um, But the fact that she was unmedicated saved her from a a C-section. I'll tell you that right now. That baby was having decelerations. The baby... That would have been a baby that like got air quotes stuck, you know, if she was laying flat on her back without a doula in a bed with an epidural and they would have been like, oops, heart decelerations and you can't move your body. And so we'll just go to the OR. So my statistics remain the same year after year. I have never in my whole career, 17 years, had a parent end in a cesarean section who was unmedicated with no interventions. It's crazy. It's not though, right? So I just wanted to keep those stories out there. I hope you have a great week and I hope you'll stick around for tomorrow's episode with Kelly, vaginal, unmedicated twins in a hospital. It is possible. It takes a lot of advocacy And it was an amazing birth experience. Hope you listen and share the episode with anyone you know who's pregnant with twins. All right. See you next week. Don't forget to listen to episode 88, where I interview Catherine Cross from Anja Health, and I ask her all the questions about cord blood and tissue banking, everything that I would have needed to know and everything I think you need to know to make this important decision.